I had been a good kid through high school, but boy, when I found Crown Royal and cocaine, I was in trouble. I was in trouble because Pascal's right. You'll do anything to fill that goddamn void. And I was trying, working, but Scott, I was hurt. Hi, my friends. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young. Our co-host Dave Donaldson is out on assignment, but you have tuned in to a great day on the Influencers. Today, we're going to talk about dog sledding. That doesn't come up in conversation very much, but today we're going to talk about it and depression and drug addiction, getting off of drugs, becoming a radio personality in a leading market like Chicago, loving Jesus and being a minister. Our guest today, Carl Clausen, is a husband, a pastor, an author, a conference speaker, and I love this, an adventurer. Put that on your business card, an adventurer. He has a spiritual passion that runs through all of his life. He has done so many diverse things, and we'll talk about some of them today. He has raced the Iditarod when he was a teenager. He was a track uh, coach in South Africa. He has pastored churches in Alaska and now in Chicago. He is the morning host of the radio program, Carl and Crew Mornings on Moody Radio Chicago. He also pastors a church, 180 Chicago Church. He loves to have conversation, and we are planning on having one today. Carl, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Good to be with you, Scott. Thank you very much for gracing me with this opportunity. I appreciate it. You have led a fascinating life when you were at <laughs> teenager running the Iditarod. And there may be some friends that are listening that don't know what the Iditarod is. So tell us what it is, yeah. how you got into it, and what happened when you were a part of it. Yeah, well, I, it's an 1,100-mile dog sled race from Anchorage, Alaska to Nome, Alaska. And it commemorates this great relay that was run with dog teams Oh, goodness sakes, probably 70 years ago now, the village of Nome was under a diphtheria epidemic, and they needed some medicine to get there to protect the entire village from being killed. And they needed to get this serum, this diphtherapy serum from Seward, Alaska, all the way to Nome, Alaska, and they shuttled it by dog teams. Mm -hmm. And it was then, oh, probably 40 years ago now, 40 years ago, yeah. 50, coming up on 50 years ago, that uh, a great musher named Joe Reddington decided to commemorate that relay that saved that village of Nome from that epidemic. And he started the Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race. So this 1,100-mile dog sled race takes off the first Saturday in March of every year. And I was crazy enough to get signed up for that thing at the age of 18, Scott. Wow. And when you ran the 1,100 miles, it's, it's, it's by yourself. There's not a team. It's you and your dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just and me and my dogs. When you, when you ran the 1,100 miles, what kind of experience did you have? Well, it took me 21 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes, and 32 seconds to make it to Nome, Alaska. I had a lot of uh, hair-raising experiences. I had my team chase a bear that had come out of hibernation headed toward the village of Iditarod. Uh, I was going from Ofer to Iditarod, and all of a sudden my team just took off the trail and was running across the open tundra at a full lope. 
and I'm yelling at my lead dogs, G, 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 which means turn right, trying to get them back on the trail. And they weren't having anything to do with it, nor were the rest of the dogs in the team. At this point, I still had 10 Huskies in my team and they were strong. I had a good dog team. Uh, they were strong. And then I see off in the distance, I see this big old grizzly bear rise up on its haunches and he is towering over the tundra, frozen tundra, wakes. There's a lot of people don't know this, but bears will wake up, kind of yeah. stretch and walk around in hibernation and then go back in a, go back in a den. So I have my 44 super Blackhawk, not loaded, but I've got slugs and I'm going through the sled is bounding across the tundra. I'm rifling through my sled bag. I've got a 44 super Blackhawk. I'm trying to get slugs loaded, chambered into this thing while I'm going huckily buck across this tundra. Finally, I'm yelling while I'm trying to load my weapon. I'm yelling, gee, gee. And finally those lead dogs, they start to size up this grizzly off in the distance. And they're like, I think Carl knows best. So we took a long sweeping turn back onto the trail, but that's just one incident out of thousands from overflow mountain ranges, open rivers that I had to navigate around. Um, I had a snowstorm leaving Shaktulik headed for the village of Koyak that was so severe. I was in total whiteout conditions, thought I was a dead man. Uh, the, I was pinned down on the Norton Sound ice from Shaktulik to Koyak. It's the only stretch of the Iditarod that you're going right across the ocean. So you're on frozen sea ice mm -hmm. for 45 miles. And my face mask had frozen to my face. I knew I needed to keep it frozen. You don't want to thaw and then refreeze. You start losing body parts then. So I kept it frozen. Uh, I was in trouble. I was talking mm -hmm. to God striking foxhole deals with God. Um, it had gusted to 92 miles an hour while I was out on the sea ice. And they had sent out search parties after me, but it was ripping the cowling off the snow machines. So they gave up. <clears throat> I made it into Koyak, but uh, it was barely that we made it in. We had wind chill around 100 below zero while I was out on the ice. So it was dicey, Scott. Well, we're glad you made it. <laughs> My mom and dad were too. <laughs> so we could talk to you today. And you were 18 years old. And yeah. sometime after you had this life adventure, yeah. uh, you, your life took a drastic turn for the negative. Uh, drugs, alcohol addiction. Um, how did you get into that uh, after this big life experience? What was the journey from the high to the low? Yeah, let me let me tell you a little bit about my dad here because he just passed on. He's 95 years old when he went on to his reward. One of the most righteous men I've ever met in my life. And by the way, here's you talk about excelling and uh, watching God do something. The power of words is amazing, Scott. You understand mm -hmm, yeah. that. And my dad said something amazing to me at the start of the Iditarod. He was shaking my hand and all the teams were leaving for the last... Uh, last few hundred feet before we wouldn't see any more people. And he said, you know, Carl, I've heard a lot of rumors, people saying that you're not going to make it to Nome and you're going to die out there because you're young. He said, I need you to know something. I'm so confident you're going to make it to Nome. I already purchased my ticket. Wow. And I'll see you when you get there. 
You know, Scott, it wasn't until two years after the Iditarod was over that it ever dawned on me, I might not make it. Two years after it was over. So the power of a spoken word is amazing. Yep. And I just want to give yep. props to my dad on that one. Yep. But after the Iditarod was over, uh, like a lot of, uh, I've got friends that right here in Chicago, I got to speak to the Bears at a Monday night football game. You know, a lot of athletes or high performers go through this funk where you hit a milestone and then all of a sudden you go, well, that, that's, that's not that great. And that's a hopeless feeling. Mm-hmm. And I had that. I finished the Iditarod. Here I am in practical terms. I was a hometown hero. When you're 18 and you complete the Iditarod, you're a hometown hero. You, you are. But that didn't matter to me, Scott, because I had this hole in my heart that was so huge. I was in deep pain and I was walking out on the sea ice after that race was over. And I felt like I heard God speaking to me about a why in the road. And it was like God was calling me, but there was Satan chirping in my ear. And Mm -hmm. it was, are you going to surrender your life to Jesus now? Because I hadn't at this point in time. I was a good church going kid. I knew all the songs, knew a lot of verses, won a lot of candy bars for memorizing verses, but I didn't know Jesus. Or are you going to go your own way? And I went my own way. And I'm a type A personality. And I, I had been a good kid through high school, but boy, when I found Crown Royal and cocaine, I was in trouble. I was in trouble because Pascal's yeah. right. You'll do anything to fill that God-shaped void. Yeah. And I was trying, working, but Scott, I was hurting. And mm. I, I adopted a raging cocaine addiction. Early 80s, making good money, working in the oil fields now, and... I was a hurting, hurting young man, life of the party, but I was dying, absolutely dying inside, miserable, full of shame. And uh, it got to the point where my raging cocaine addiction led to chronic nosebleeds. And now I'm trying to hide it from people. I was a mess, Scott. And what brought you from the depths back to wholeness or health? Well, my dad, again, you know, I was out at my dad's home outside of Anchorage. We had built it together when I was 16. We'd framed this home together. My dad's a giant of a man. He would take on big tasks. He thought there was nothing too big for his God, and he believed that. So we built this home together. It was a few years later. I'm out visiting at their home, sitting on the fireplace hearth, big old two-story masonry fireplace, beautiful, looking out over the frozen lake, And they had found a Western Union money order in my pocket. For those of you that are young, that's that's an old-time Venmo. That's what that is. (laughs) Right, Scott? (laughs) And and they had found this money order, and they knew I was in trouble because it was for many thousands of dollars. And I had found a connection to try to keep my costs for personal use of cocaine down. I had a connection in Long Beach, California. Um. I had a package shortly thereafter busted by the feds with Mm -hmm. eight ounces of Coke in it that if I would have gone to pick up that package, I didn't. A friend of mine tried to grab it. He got busted. But if I would have gotten to get it, my friend got off because his name wasn't on the package. Mine was. But if I would have gone to pick that up, I'd have done 15 to 20 years in the clink. So I avoided that. Dad knew that I was dodging bullets, but he sat down with me on a day out there, sitting over there, looking over the lake. And he said these words. 
He said, your mom and I are changing our prayers. We don't want you to come back to church. I thought, wow, good. This come back to church <laughs> talk is done. He said, I'm praying starting today, Carl, that either you get fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, fully surrendered, or that God would take you out of this world because you're killing yourself anyway. Wow. Scott? Wow. Yeah, because I had seen my dad's prayers answered regularly for 20 years. So I, I, I just suspected rightly that if I don't turn, I'm gone. I'm gone. And it was about six months later, driving down a road in Anchorage, Alaska, I heard the voice of God. He said, uh, are you done yet? And I said, God, I'm done. Hmm. And it's like, I'm living that moment right now again. I said, God, I'm so done. I give you my life. Every piece of me take over. Yeah. And on that day, God set me free and I am free indeed to this day, many years later. That's so good. So good. And, and you said something as you told your story that I'd like you to just unpack for someone that's listening. Um, you said you, you were regularly going to church, even doing religious things, but you didn't know Jesus. And there's somebody listening that regularly goes to church. And when you said that, it just said, man, is there a difference? And I'd like you to unpack the difference for that person. You know, Matthew 7, Jesus says these words, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And I remember as a kid hearing that passage and I was confused by it because I thought, oh, these are the guys bellied up to the bar at happy hour. These are the guys that are running crazy, running wild. But he goes on to say, and you will say to me, I've been preaching in Jesus' name. I've been baptizing in Jesus' name, been casting out demons in Jesus' name and doing mighty works in his name. And he says, I will say to you, I never knew you. Hmm. It's easy to be spiritually active for Christ, but not be in Christ. Hmm. Our churches in America are loaded with people every weekend, good Bible preaching, faith-filled, spirit-filled churches who are very active spiritually people, but have yet to come face-to-face -face with the living God. That's what you need to hear us say today. Jesus wants all of you, and then he'll change your world. Now, we're not done our conversation, but I just, right now, could you just say a prayer? Yeah. It's if someone would believe these things that you've just said, this could be a miracle moment in yeah. their life where they turn from religion to relationship. And we're not wrapping things up, but just right now. Yeah, right now. You're right. In this moment right now, we just stop. And I want you to pray with me right now. Somebody's wiping tears away right now. That's okay. That's good. Hmm. I want you to just pray with me right now. And this is the prayer. <laughs> that I had to pray. And this is the prayer that you need to pray. You need to recognize you were born with your back to God. You're not good. You need Jesus. And in this moment right now, I want you with clear head, mm -hmm. clear eyes to say, Jesus, I believe not only did you die for me yeah. and take my sins, 
God, you've called me to be a disciple mm -hmm. of Christ. You haven't even called me to go to church. You called me to be a disciple. And then I'll go to church in a totally different way. So right now I'm asking you, are you willing to mm -hmm. turn off and away from the broad path, repent, turn around, follow Jesus the rest of your life? If that's you mm -hmm. right now, right now, I mean, but you now you got to think about this, count the cost before you build this life. Are you willing to give him everything? Mm-hmm. The money in your wallet, the relationships you have, the life you've built, the ladders you've been climbing. Are you willing to give them the ladders you've been climbing right now? Mm -hmm. Jesus, I believe, say it. I believe you died for me. Mm -hmm. You are alive. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is mm -hmm. the new leader of my life. Totally, completely. I give you my life today. I am yours. You are mine. Take me, make mm -hmm. me into the person you've called me to be in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, you began something significant to get into a good Bible. Yeah. Preaching, teaching church. And uh, just thanks. Thanks for sharing that story. I believe that's a life changing moment. We are here to see people become influencers and the best way is to commit yourself to the influencer of the universe, amen jesus amen and uh, what a journey you've been on from uh from <laughs> drugs and alcohol and now you're a radio personality in the city of chicago you're a morning guy yeah uh with uh with uh, carl and crew mornings what time does a morning guy have to get up oh i've always been an early riser so it's not too bad for me, but uh, you know, hey, this morning I was up at three fifteen, ready to rumble, Scott. <laughs> uh, for some people, you just swore right there. That was like a yeah. swear word for somebody three in the morning. It takes a swear word out of you if you have my drink. I have a, a coffee drink that I drink every morning. I swing through my favorite Starbucks right when they open. They open dark and early. Um, and it's a quad tall Americano. When you've got Jesus filling your soul and a quad tall Americano filling your gut, you're off to the races, man. Take that in the Bible and you're ready. I've actually had that drink. So I know <laughs> what you're talking about. And uh, uh, not only are you uh, on radio, you also pastor a church, 180 yeah. uh, Chicago Church. Um, tell us about that church. If, if, uh, if, if someone asked one of your friends that goes to the church, Hey, what kind of church do you go to? Oh, what would you like them to say? The most loving group of people I've ever been around. I had the privilege of passing pastoring a couple of really dynamic churches. Uh, one was in Alaska. It grew to be the largest church in the state. And we had 5,000 people coming, 2% of the city of Anchorage, Scott. Wow. And that was a movement of God that was powerful. Right now, we're in downtown Chicago. I'm looking out over the top of my laptop here, and I'm seeing graffiti all over walls. We're in a tough area, but we've got 19 languages smoked, spoken among our members here. And uh, so when we have all nations worship meetings, 
and we're singing in all these different languages, I'm just crying. I'm sitting in the front row and I'm just crying over the grace of God. But yeah, it's tough sledding in downtown Chicago right now, but God is on the move. There is, I believe there's a cresting wave of awakening and revival in our nation, Scott. And we're seeing yeah, it. I, I believe two things are happening. I think the dark is getting darker and the light is getting brighter. A, you are more. right on, Scott. There's, they're just you want to be on the right side of that equation. Uh, it's 180 Chicago Church. What does 180 mean? Well, it's my story and yours, brother. We were on a broad path leading to destruction, and then God turned us around. You know, the one of the coolest words in Scripture, but it's been misrepresented by guys that pound pulpits, um, is repent. Repentance yeah. is not an angry word; it's a loving word. It says, yeah. "Come follow me." And then on this path of, of transformation, we get opportunities to continue to do 180s where we get to see our lives changed and changed and changed and changed. And we're made more into the image of Christ. We become, we're, we're image bearers, but we take more of the complexion and the complexity of Jesus's nature, the more we change. So we call it 180 because we're constantly turning around and, and following our Savior. That Greek word for repentance, metanoia, to just change the way you think, yes. changes the way you live. And just what a fascinating story. A dog sled musher or driver, yeah. um, a, a, redeem, a redeemed drug addict, radio personality, pastor of an amazing church, and author as well. You have written a book, uh, The Seven Resolutions, and I love the subtitle, uh, where self-help ends and God's power begins because self-help is limited because we are so limited, yeah. but God's power is limitless. And these are resolutions. Um, just talk about what that means. Is this, I'm sure there's some difference between those seven resolutions and the resolutions we make every New Year's Oh, week. Oh my goodness. The resolutions we make in New Year, let's see here, we're plugging away through the year. So guess what? By now, Social scientists say 95% of those resolutions have already failed. So you might say, well, why in the world call them resolutions? Because we're, we are resolving kind of in the, in, the, uh, in the tradition of the great revivalist Edwards, we are resolving to join and enter in with God into this great spiritual adventure. So it's a resolution to connect with God and let him change our life. And the reason that we've got to put self-help to bed and to death is, <laughs> frankly, in Galatians 3, Paul talks to the Church of Galatia, and he says, who has bewitched you? Mm -hmm. He says, who has bewitched you? You saw Christ crucified. He says, that that you began by the power of the Spirit, why are you working out in the flesh? And the obvious answer to that is, that's crazy, isn't it? And what I saw early on, one part of my story that I didn't share for years, but I do now, and I put it in the, right in the front of the book, because people need to know this, is that we begin in utter dependence. The great misnomer in Western faith is that we think, whoa, I got to get up and I got to get with the program. I got to make this thing happen now. No, you don't. The way you were saved is the way you're going to grow through humble, utter dependence mm -hmm. on God. Reliance upon God for salvation, according to Titus 2, 10 and 11 and 12, is 
great. The grace of God is for saving us, but the grace of God, according to Titus 2, is for training us. Mm -hmm. But we've thought, God saved me. Now, by golly, I need to get up and I need to bust my tail for God. And you know where that leaves us? It leaves us producing fake fruit. We aren't abiding in Christ. We're performing for Christ. And according to John 15, you cannot produce good fruit in your own juice. If we don't have a living, abiding, dependent relationship with Jesus, we've got a snowball's chance in hell of producing fruit and taking hold of God's promises. But with that abiding relationship, trusting God, not our own willpower, not our own strength, not our faith. It's the object of our faith that saves us and grows us, not our faith, not the amount of our faith. We can grow and watch God do something amazing through our lives. So these seven resolutions are quite something. I can't read all of them, but the first resolution you mean is to join God. And that's just what you were yeah. talking about. Yeah. And you, you talk about working with God versus working for God. Amen. And um, just, is that what you were just saying right yeah. there? Yeah. You know, there was a time I, uh, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was when I learned how to water ski. A lot of these stories that happen to us before you're in Christ, if you're listening right now, God wants to use those to remind you of great spiritual truths. So I'm at a Bible camp long before I was born again. And I'm like, man, this water skiing looks like fun. I'm going to go do it. And they said, all right, jump in the water, get those ski tips up. And they had a ski natique. It was a nice ski boat, man. The ski natique is a beautiful boat. I think they still make them today. A Christian guy, by the way, makes those boats. And so the camp had a ski natique, a lot of power, a lot of power in that boat. And they said, wait till the line goes taut. And then when you're ready, just yell, hit it. So arms extended, right? Arms extended. Got my arms out there. Got that rope between my legs and in between the skis. And I yell, hit it. And, and I'm starting to come up out of that water. And I broke water skiing 101 right away. I'm coming up out of the water and I thought somehow, oh, I need to help. So what did I do? I pulled on that handle and I pulled and all of a sudden, because I'm now trying to bootstrap thing, this go water skiing in my own power, I go head over heels. We're in a little lake called Victory Lake. And I got, no kidding, I'll bet I had three lake trout go through each nostril. I got the nasal cleanse of a century. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there in the water now. They're coming looping back. And the guy in the boat, who wasn't laughing at me, the only adult on board, he looked at me and he said, Carl, you had it. Do not pull yourself up. He said, let the boat do the work. Now, is there personal responsibility in joining God? Yes. But only in the power of God do we appropriate power. And when we try to go skiing in our own strength, it never works. God has all the strength we need. We need to posture ourselves, rely on his power, humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, and he will lift us up. You know, you say that illustration, and I've seen that happen hundreds of times. <laughs> My dad had a ski boat, and we taught hundreds and hundreds of people to ski. And uh, You know what I'm I've talking him, about. I've seen him. I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. What a great illustration that we need to depend 
in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Those believers in the first church that we see modeled in the book of Acts had a dependence on the Holy Spirit to lead them, to feed them, to guide them, yeah. and to illuminate scriptures to them. And we need that same strength today. So that's a great resolution to join God. Resolution number three says kill sin. Yeah. Is that even possible? Yeah, well, it better be because we're told to by the Apostle Paul. Um, we're told to by Jesus. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, that's hyperbole. Don't go out and do that today. <laughs> um, but it's what Jesus is saying here is we have to take extreme measures to kill what's killing us. Got to do it. And the killing of sin is not something that's preached about often, but it is requisite. And matter of fact, a mentor of mine, Robert Lewis, who wrote Men's Fraternity and all kinds of great men's curriculum, he said that resolution alone is worth this because, Carl, we don't talk about killing sin. I'll tell you what we do. We minimize it. We deflect it. We explain it. We blame it on family of origin. And there may be a lot of reasons for why we have sin, but there are no excuse, not in the power, not in the, the, the shadow of the cross. The tomb is empty. Our God is alive. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. What do we find Paul saying in, in Galatians 5.16? He says, be filled with the Spirit and you will not make provision for the flesh. So there are things that we can do, but bottom line, we got to get serious about killing what's killing us. And it's as practical as I've helped men that are stuck in pornography, turn smartphones into dumb phones, taking away their access code, taking mm -hmm. the access code, making that phone go dark at a certain time at night when they find themselves susceptible. There are creative, strategic, aggressive things that we can do to get victory in our life. And I think radical, the things you just talked about were radical yeah. steps to yeah. make your smartphone dumb, to, to be so uh, determined. So there's practical things we can do yes. to separate from temptation, I guess is what you're saying. Yes, for sure. Uh, resolution number five, uh, take risks. Is this for everybody or just for people that have adventure on their business? No, cards? no, 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 no. It's for everybody. See, the life of faith is risk. Um, I, I think it's John Piper who said it, but he said he stole it. He just forgot from who. Uh, life is, faith is risk and risk is faith. You can't, you can't walk the walk of faith without taking some risk. Look, you can't cross a Jordan without putting a toe in the water. You can't walk on water unless you're willing to get out of the boat. There is a risk element to faith. Look at the, you just mentioned the book of Acts. The book of Acts was, they weren't white knuckled because they weren't in fear, but they were desperate for God and they didn't know what was coming their way. They didn't know if they were going to get stoned. You know, Paul went to Lystra, got stoned, got up on his feet, went back in again, went back in twice. So is there risk-taking in the walk of faith? Yes. But is that where the abundant life is found? Absolutely. So the one more, and then we'll do some wrap-up. But 
the last resolution, number seven, is redeem time. Is this time management? What is redeeming time? Oh, a lot of people think time management was Ogmandino's idea or James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, or uh, Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. No, uh, the first guy to pen anything about time management was Moses. He said... Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Some people have told me, oh yeah, wise people redeem time. Not according to Moses. He said, if you redeem time, you'll become wise. That's paradigm shifting. So if you're watching us right now, listening to us right now, and you're saying, oh, I'm not good at time redemption. No, listen to me. A motivation for becoming a good redeemer of time is that you will grow in wisdom. That's a great promise. And that's the words of Moses, who had all that wisdom while wandering in the desert. And he wrote that one psalm, Psalm 90, and that's what he says. And then you fast forward to the book of Ephesians. And he says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And the context of that, by the way, happens to be most directly sexual sin. A, a well-redeemed calendar will actually keep your tookie out of the squisher when it comes to compromising things in your life. That's just a fact. So I tell guys all the time, I go, you know, here's the truth. Gordon McDonald's is an old guy said it years ago, but it's true. Unse unseized time flows to our weaknesses. And Scott, you and I both know that's true. But when you take hold of time, this doesn't be mean becoming a workaholic. You can block time to hug kids. You can block time to take a grandchild out for an ice cream cone. You can block time to take a nap. You can block time to have some downtime and relax time, but redeem it, claim it, because unseized time always goes to our weaknesses. And as Pastor Carl says, keep your tookie out of the squisher. <laughs> Did I say that? That one rolls out of me every now and then. <laughs> what a joy. Just and so enjoy talking to you. Now, make sure I've got this right. If people want to connect with this book, it's seven, the number seven, resolutions.com. Yeah, that's it. The, num the number seven, not written out, but the number seven, yeah. resolutions.com. And people, I'm sure, can find this book in other ways as well, but that's one way they can connect with you and with this book. Yeah. Right? It, and you know, I've got something really cool at that site, sevenresolutions.com. I've got a free assessment. I spent the time and the money to build a really cool algorithm tool that helps people determine what of the seven resolutions are they strong in? Where do they have some growth opportunity so that they can begin to correlate that with the truths in the book and really go and grow with God? It's, it's, this book has, it's in its second printing and it's just been out a little over a year. So I am thrilled what God, God's doing. He's changing lives. Well, thank you so much for your time. One more question. And that is if you had to look back at your life now and there was something you wish you knew sooner, one lesson that would make a huge difference in your life and maybe in somebody else's life that's listening, what would that be? Choose humility. Andrew Murray says, the absence of humility is sufficient explanation for every character defect in every person. He also says that humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. 
humble yourself, and now you're positioned where God can use you. So good. So good. And listen, uh, Carl, when you're doing your radio program and it's um, the winter months and you need a Southern correspondence to just to come on and give you a little report from sunny Florida. I'm going to do it. Happy to join you. Just tell you what the weather's like in Sarasota, Florida, just to increase more immigration to Florida <laughs> and have our, our state filled with people from Illinois. I'm going to do it. So I'm yeah, going to bring you on. So I am in a Thank you so much. What a joy. And to all our friends, uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. Um, really, the spirit of the Lord has been on this conversation. And we give thanks for that. That's mm -hmm. a grace that God gives to us. We give thanks to God for that. We give thanks to God uh, for Pastor Carl and for the time he shared with us. Thank you so much. And friends, keep on being an influencer. Let your light your light shine brightly where you are. Bring hope to hopeless people and light to dark people. And in the equation that we talked about on this program, that the dark is getting darker and the light is getting brighter, be on the right side of the aisle with a personal relationship with Jesus. We love you. Keep the faith. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.